Welcome to the Big MX Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Shades of Grey Helmet Painting, X-Brand Goggles, Tech One Designs, Watts Perfections, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Golden Tire, TransCanada Motorsports, and Westside Honda. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, as usual, and with me on the line, the 2000 West Coast 125 champion, Shea Bentley. How's it going, Shea? Oh, it's going at my chest. Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, how how are you? How's your back feeling? Um, it's doing a little bit better. The um, I'd have two shots put in it um just a few days ago. Right um, another epidural, and then um, along with the epidural, they had to um, go in and do um a lot more work. So, but I am going to have to have surgery done in a month. I mean, in a year. I wish it might. I wish it would go ahead and be done with, but okay. um, but I'm surviving, so Fair just enough. another well, day. Um, go ahead. Just another day. Absolutely. It's uh, it's good to hear from you again, and uh, thanks again for uh, um, giving us some time. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time with us to uh, just talk, and like talk moto, man. Like uh, I love just picking your brain about this stuff, because uh, you know too much for me to not talk to you. <laughs> oh, I've been around this sport for a long time, my whole life, and it's actually, you know, the um, the only sport that I that I truly love, and it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. So you you get away from it, and then somehow you always get drawn back to it. For sure, uh, anyone who can say that they're ever going to get out of motocross, uh, they'll probably get a bike at some point, or at least get their kids into it, or. Um follow it at some point or like there it's 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 tough to leave for sure did you do any yeah. other sports growing up what's that now did you do any other sports growing up like football baseball yeah. hockey i played um i played basketball for um like three years and then um i played baseball for one year my um parents my dad and them thought it was very um important to still be a kid and i tried to emphasize that on these kids these days yeah. That um, because with all the trainers that they have now and <clears throat> all this stuff that's going on, um, all the fun has been taken out of it, <clears throat> and it's so serious. And <clears throat> how many of these kids are really going to make it and make enough money totally. to live off of for the rest of their life? Very few. So, <clears throat> and these trainers, you know, they <clears throat> they all give them the wishful thinking: "Oh, you got it. You're going to do it. You're going to make it." Well, what they don't think of is it only takes one second, one bad mistake, one injury, and you're done. You have no college degree. You have nothing. And you're sitting there left, you know. And it's just like football. All those, yep. you know. They sign these huge contracts by these million-dollar houses. But they don't think, well, what if I get hurt? And then the money stops coming in. And then I got all these, you know, bills that are still yeah. coming along with this million-dollar home. And then they file medical bills. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know it's and every sport's the same and um you know you just um live and learn and my um deal is is you know i just try to have fun yes ma'am um i'm at the store right now um no problem um <clears throat> doing um i'm getting some monster energy drinks so there you go um <laughs> not the best thing for me but i usually get cases and cases of them but um um this time I'm having to buy them, but 
<laughs> but anyway, um, the sport has grown so much. Like the minios last week, it was great to see. You know, all the all the guys there from <laughs> Kimmy Ferry to I mean Ryan Dungey and his brother were there, and Dungey's brother raced to uh, Chisholm's were there. Is, yeah, and just to see the families, you know, but. <laughs> You know, but then when the kids come off the track and you're sitting there, because obviously as a racer myself, and now that I I just help kids for fun and to get out of the house and and all that stuff, um, it's nothing that I'm doing, you know, serious. But they, um, I would sit there and literally watch, you know, these dads just scream and yell at these kids, and these are all fifties and. 65s and it's like you know if you're going to make it you're going to you're going to peak later on in life like look at Villapoto look at Dungey look at all these guys they very rarely won an amateur championship Mike Alessi cleaned house he won oh, for sure so he he's probably the most winningest amateur rider there is I'd say yeah and, and you know and then you've got all these other guys that literally you know, don't have hardly any, and you know they're the ones making all the big bucks now. And yeah, well, they stayed hungry. Yeah, they stayed hungry. They did not peak. They always wanted to learn. And that's you know another thing I always tell the kids is just study the sport, learn it, and try to learn something each day. And take the sport, take what you learn in this sport, and take it into life. And ha- and that's by setting goals. And that's you know, goals that you can attain and reach, obviously. And then, you know, have a short-term and a long-term goal and take that and, you know, run with it and just do your best, you know. um, Because the work is done during the week. The race weekends, that's the easy time. That's the fun time. Yeah. So. (laughs) For sure. No, I, just, I I wanted to catch up with you again and, and talk a little bit about mini O's and your uh, your you're working with uh, Nick Gaines. I know uh, uh, he's looking to uh, step onto the pro pro ranks uh, full time in uh, like I guess this uh, this coming winter in Supercross. And yeah, he's doing East Coast. Um, okay. He's um he's on Kawasaki's. He's got full blown pro circuit bikes. Um, they wanted him to have. Um, another year to mature. Um, so instead of going underneath a pro circuit semi, because it's so much pressure and I, I really don't think people understand how much pressure it really is. Because oh, sure. uh, you definitely do. It, it's yeah, I do. It's not about finishing top five and it's about finishing top three, but winning a championship and they don't care if it's your first year or your third year. But when Mitch Payton hires you, he's hiring you to win championships. And if he doesn't think you can win, then you're gone. So it has nothing to do with the fact that Nick's speed, because Nick's speed is unbelievable. It's it's Nick's mental aspect. And that's what we're working on now is, you know, believing in himself as much as what I believe in him, as much as his mom and dad believe in him. And as much as, you know, all of his family and friends and stuff. Because we know what he can do on a bike. But when you line up and they turn the card sideways, it's just you and the track. And it's up to you to make the things happen. We can't, we've already done our work. So, and 
trust me, Ryan Villapoto and Dungeon them, they're not one and two every weekend for, you know, a fluke. They're one and two every weekend because they do their work and they believe in themselves and they never give up, you know, through adversity and everything. They they charge. Yeah, and then they're hungry. They hate to lose. You've got to make losing, you know, something you hate so bad to where you're scared to lose. Well, yeah, actually, that's one of the things that they talked about uh, on one of the other shows there when the, the, like it was it was brought up that um, Ryan Villapoto doesn't look happy when he wins. Yeah, and I like from 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 my perspective, like I I did a lot of like I, I trained for football, I trained for for freestyle skiing, and when you win, it's it's not like a, a an elation feeling; it's a like a freaking rights man. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to win, yeah. and like like all that work did pay off because because it's it's not fun it's it's and it's it's not going to be easy uh, but it's going to be worth it if you know what i mean yeah well it's you know you can't shut it to Alessi for so long and then <clears throat> excuse me i remember being at loretta's in his last year and then jason lawrence you know beating him and and <laughs> very rarely did i see ryan smile and I know him and his wife and his family very well. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can't ask for better people. But, you know, to have the heart that he has and what did it for him is what changed his whole career around was, yeah, signing with Mitch and stuff like that. But when he um, won the Outdoor National Championship, he went to the um, Motocross the Nations, and he just put it on those guys. Even Carmichael, that last moto where he won on the 250F yeah. and beat everybody by like 30 seconds, and they were all on 450s. Yeah. And that's what clicked for him. That's when he said, you know what? I am going to be the man. And, yes, it did take him two years you know, or so to make it in the 450 class, Like unlike Dungey where, you know, it came easy, and even Roxon. I mean, Roxon's going to be unbelievable. But then you got Stewart that if he can put all the races together, there's nobody better than him. I mean, on a motorcycle. I mean, he can, the stuff that he does, he shortens the track up. He His momentum, um, you know, I mean, I was his teammate for, you know, four years and I grew up with him since he was, heck on 50s mm-hmm. and um him and malcolm and i got to see malcolm at the minios also and it was just um you know it's it's kind of weird because back in my day whenever i was coming up and signing autographs and you got all these kids asking for your jersey and stuff you don't think about these kids being the next big thing and then i'll never forget ryan dungy said hey do you remember me and my family at loretta Lynn's? Um, whenever um, you won and stuff, and um, asked you for a jersey, and you you know you signed it and gave it to me, and um, you gave me some tips. He said, you know, you didn't have to sit there and talk to me, but you did. Yeah. And you know, me and Dungey are you know really close, and it was like now I'm looking at the fact you know my kids love you know Dungey. And, you know, Villapoto, they love them all. 
and um and the and the work that these guys put in. I mean, now it's back when I came up, I worked with Jeff Spencer and stuff, and it's it's not about how much you do, it's what you do. It's making it count. And um, you know, you got guys that go out there and do motos every day, and I'll never forget. You know, uh, my idol was um, Gary Bailey's son, um, okay, yeah. David David Bailey. David That's who Bailey, I always yeah. looked up to. And um, great rider, at my, so smooth. At my, oh, he was amazing. That my very first Supercross, he came up, and I checked the fastest lap time, and um, I was the only one jumping this one triple, and I had Ricky and all them, and um. So I had all these people talking to him and he came up and he's like, we just, you know, just out of nowhere. And he goes, you know, he was looking at my, you know, at my body and stuff. And you could tell that, you know, I was kind of overtraining because I was real skinny and stuff. Yeah. And then he asked me what I did and I told him, and he said, look, he said, I'm going to give you some advice. And of course I was, you know, all ears. And, um, he uh, said, um, I used to go out and do um, two, you know, 45-minute motos every day. <laughs> and he said, you know, I would get nothing out of it. <laughs> he said, I rode the same track every day and same lap time, you know, maybe a second here or there off. But <laughs> he said, but I could go do one start <laughs> and I could put everything I had into that one start. And my heart rate would be twice as higher in that one start than it would be in both of my 45-minute motos. And I would get way more out of that one start than I would both motos. Hmm. And that's when I was like, huh. And then that's when things started clicking. Then when I won the championship, hmm. I remember calling Jeff Spencer like every week saying, Jeff, I'm not doing enough. And he's like, trust me. Hmm. And that's when he was like, <laughs> you know, even though I went, you know, I was used to just doing, you know, like two 20-minute um, two 20 lap motos on the supercross track, a warm up, and then working like a section. Yeah. Well, he would have me doing sprints, but they would total up to be like 60 laps, but it would all be done so quick because I wouldn't be taking a break or anything. And then, you know, like maybe like 10 minutes of free time, you know, plus my starts, and I was done. Other than, you know, my bicycle in the morning, which, you know, I'd get up early and do that. And then I'd have to do my, uh, my stretching and just my typical, um, routine in the evening. But, you know, of course I had hard days. I had, you know, days where I went on, you know, 50 mile bike rides, but that was mainly, you know, during the off season and stuff. But mm -hmm. once you're not training to be a triathlon, you're training to be able to do 20 laps. Or 15 as hard laps, as you can. As hard as you can. And then you're training outdoors to be able to go 30 minutes plus two laps as hard as you can. And honestly, once you get in a flow and you don't get tired, you, mentally, you're there. It's just mental. I mean, yeah, your, your brain kind of takes over and uh, your your heart rate kind of levels out. Like, yep. Actually, they... they like a lot of runners are like, that's one of their uh, best attributes is being able to find that really easily. And just, yeah, yep. like, like, where isn't like, where is for me to go that pace the entire time. If I had to try and do it once, my heart rate would be through the roof, but for yeah. you guys going faster than I am, your heartbeat's beating 
20, 30 beats per minute slower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's what allows you guys to be that efficient, that, uh, that accurate with uh, your lap times over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, you just do it and do it and do it. And then on top of that, you know, um, you know, the mental preparation, it's like when you jog or you bicycle, you know, I used to take my telephone with me and talk on the phone because it would throw me off rhythm. Okay. And you, cause you can't get, you can get in a rhythm when you're jogging and breathing. You can find that rhythm. Yeah. But when you're exercising and you're talking, you know, on the phone or, you know, and even Lance Armstrong did it, <clears throat> you know, he would, that's when he would do all of his phone calls was when he was on his bike rides. That's and right. Actually, <laughs> I've heard a few guys talking about that. Uh, the, the, the right heart rate to find is actually kind of, if there's a kind of an uh, interesting way to find it in your own body is that when you can no longer sing along to your iPod yep. or your, to your music, that is too hard. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, you're totally right. And I can tell you, um, <laughs> there's several times that I couldn't talk or whenever a sprint would come because you would have to, you would go for like, let's say 15, 20 minutes and then take off for a minute and a half as hard as you could and then jog for another minute and a half and take off for another minute, then jog for a minute, I mean 30 seconds. And then... <laughs> After the 30 seconds, you would have to drop down and do as many push-ups as you could and then get back up and jog five minutes and then go sprint another, you know, minute and a half and then do it all over again, then more push-ups. And you were just throwing your body all out of whack. <clears throat> and then, you know, it's kind of like doing a stairs climber and um, you always mixed it up. But, <clears throat> you know... What's your favorite way to motor- Go ahead. What was your favorite way to train? Like, what was like you something you looked forward to doing? Um, I always loved running, um, and I don't know why, because um, I can barely run now because of my legs. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like it was my way of just getting out there, or even by, on the bicycle. Um, like my my uh, recovery days would be you know two hours on the bicycle, and it was just peaceful. Like, I mean, I wasn't sprinting. I wasn't, you know, just running all out. I was just by myself or me and Ezra, you know, would be doing it. And it was just, it was just us. And we would talk about the weekend or we would talk, you know, just about life in general. We always, we never read the magazines. We never got caught up in all the, the drama because, you know, as bad as it is, and a lot of the athletes, you know, I mean, you know, you make poor decisions, you make good decisions, and, you know, you learn. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Sometimes, you know, we're smart and we listen to our, you know, our fathers or our parents or someone that knows what they're talking about. And, um, but the biggest thing is, you know, the biggest thing that I had a problem with was trying to make everybody happy. I think a lot of people have that problem. Yeah. Instead of making my own self happy, I was worried about seeing the whole team because they put so much work in the, just me and my mechanic and, and then letting them down and coming off the track 
and you know, and they would let's say I got fifth, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, you know, that was a good job, but it wasn't nothing like win, because when you won, even if just one of the riders won, it made the whole team underneath the tent, it made it all worthwhile. Yeah. But then you know, I remember when I went through, you know, like when I got hurt and stuff like that. And your phone quits ringing and all that. And, you know, you're like, you know, where's your friends at and stuff. And yeah, then when you quit racing and it really quits ringing and you're like, you have all these people that, you know, were there for you and that wanted to go to all these races. Hey, can you get me tickets? Can you do this? Can you know, do that? And, you know, best friends and, you know, yeah. you're thinking, <clears throat> you know up. what? I'm very blessed, you know, to have him as a friend. And then next thing you know, <clears throat> you're getting, you know, <clears throat> the cold shoulder. Right. Or, you know, um, <clears throat> you did something wrong, you know. And <clears throat> and my biggest, I think my biggest regret in racing is <clears throat> I wish it could have been more of a family sport for my family. Mm-hmm. Because... <clears throat> You know, I had a, I had a race against the all time, you know, Ricky, and we um, we had our battles and we um, we had our ups and downs, but every week was a stride. I mean, because he lived in Florida, I lived in South Georgia, so guess what? We raced every weekend. And was there ever I a time won, when the two of you guys like? Was there ever a time when you beat him straight up? I beat him straight up a lot. Really? Yeah. That's when we were on 80s and like first getting on 125s yeah <laughs> and um even on 65s all through our career i mean it was just me and ricky and i mean that's i show you know riders and stuff you know like tapes and stuff and it's funny because like the a class and stuff we would be running way faster out times than the a class right and um <laughs> I don't know if you remember when they used to do this, but after the Atlanta Supercross, which has two this year, yep. it would always go to Gatorback Outdoor National. That's right. Yeah, that'd be well, they, they would always let me and Ricky, which we would be on our 85s or 100s, um, go out there and practice with. And you'd have Roger Coster, Team Suzuki. You'd have Honda Troy back in the time. Yeah. You'd have, you know, Cowie. You'd have all these teams that like Kibbley Hills you know, testing, yeah. getting ready for Gatorback. And, you know, that's where I'm going at this weekend. It's in Blue Hills. And it's like, that gave, that gave us the best time because we were able to ride with them, but we just wasn't riding with them. Like they're on their factory bikes. And me and Ricky are, obviously we brought our race bikes because we wanted to see where we stood. But I remember, you know, going right by like Jamie Dobb, you know, and <laughs> then going by Ferry, and then and then me and Ezra, I was right on Ezra, <clears throat> and I'll never forget. <clears throat> there was a big water hole after this double, <clears throat> and he slowed up for me and waited for me to get side by side. And me and Splashed Ezra you. were always friends because I grew up with him, <clears throat> but he splashed me so bad and got me covered in mud, <clears throat> and I was like. <clears throat> I couldn't even see. I had to pull off. It was all underneath my goggles, everything. And it came over to my truck and stuff afterwards laughing. 
And he's like, you knucklehead, you should have known that I was about to do it to you. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but I thought we were, I thought we were close and stuff. And he's like, you know, I love you and stuff. But he said, I had to welcome you to the big boys. So <laughs> I was like, well, you welcomed me, all right. <laughs> no kidding. But, <laughs> you had a fresh pair of gear but, after that. Yeah, but it was always a blast. I mean, uh, you know, traveling the traveling the world at an early age, and <laughs> I've seen more than ninety nine per percent of the world will probably ever see. You know, and oh, for sure. I'm thirty five today, and yeah, I'm beat up, but you know, I've got all these memories, and I've got you know, you know, my health. It's, you know, is getting better. Um, you know, I just got to take care of myself and, uh, and with God, you know, putting him first, For sure. um, you know, life, um, life is, you know, life is what you make out of it and, you know, you can be down, but, um, and we all have our moments. Um, like when we got back from the Minios, I was so spent. Cause my body just can't take, I mean, seven days is a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and just standing up there at the gate, like your legs swell and, and everybody was just beat. And I'm not one that, you know, goes around and kisses butt or anything like that. You know, I just stay to myself and talk to, you know, you know, I talk to everybody and stuff, but you know, I'm not putting stickers and stuff on bikes and, well, you know, you know, when they get on the podium and stuff, you know, to say my name and stuff, but then I'm just low key. I just, I won't, I don't care if my rider finishes last, as long as he gives it everything he's got. For sure. You know, I mean, cause this is supposed to be fun, you know, like for Nick, you know, turning pro, I don't want him to peak until halfway through the season. I want the first Definitely. two to three races to be a learning experience. I want him to learn. And then I want him to learn that he can win if he, you know, truly believes and and then lay it down. And I want him to prove everybody wrong. Because, Absolutely. That you know, kind of mirrors uh, your first season as uh, you started out <laughs> slow, 21st, 13th, 7th, 8th, and all of a sudden you're a top five guy. Yep. And the thing is, is I led the very first race. <laughs> and, uh, yep, I led the very first race, and um, the second lap, I went down. And okay. I just was, I was coming off a ruptured spleen, and I was only on the bike for about two weeks, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and I hit my stomach, and it knocked the breath out of me, but it scared me to death. <laughs> and, um, so I just called it a night. I said, you know, I had a good, I had good qualifier, I had good lap times and everything, so I just called it night. Then the next race was Atlanta, and I went down in the first turn, and I came back and did my best, and then, you know, it just, it's a learning experience. But then whenever, and I was just on a customer setup bike, I wasn't on nothing fancy. But then whenever I signed with Mitch the next year, because I, you know, I got hurt, broke my wrist at the outdoors. I'll yeah, never forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget when I signed the next year at Steel City, and we had a race that Chaparral race where I beat my grass and Emmy. 
Right. Guys on a one twenty five. I kid you not. Whenever they cranked my bike up that night before, and I heard it, and then I got the I got the blip the throttle. I knew I was going to win. Yeah, like, I, I was. I've always wanted to ask you, um, like percentage wise, or maybe like uh, like how does how did your bike compare like to your pro circuit bike compared to the other top bikes that were on the line or uh, <laughs> so, like even more so towards like a, a privateers 125? Like, um, it wasn't even much close. It wasn't even close. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even close. And even like today's today's even worse because like, like your team green guys, the bike yeah. that they're bringing to the races for the team green guys, are crazy fast. They're fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. And these other guys, you know, just to get a motor, you're spending five to ten grand. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got by the time you do suspension in a motor and all that stuff, you've got fifteen grand tied up in a bike. Yeah. And, and you know, rebuilt tomorrow. And then you got to rebuild them about every two races, three races. Yeah. And with like the team green guys, their bikes get torn down pretty much after each race. Same thing as a factory bike. After a factory, every time they come in, they get put on the computer, programmed, and then once they're programmed, they go straight to, um, you know, um, basically to see, you know, if they, the, the cylinder and all that stuff, the cams, all that stuff is right. So there's a lot to it. But. For sure, like um, I, I, I've always wanted to kind of like, like, because I've always looked up to the pro circuit guys. I grew up on Kawasaki's, and like yourself, uh, Nick Way, obviously uh, Ricky, and then James. Once I was on 125s, we were both on 125s in 04, and um, I just like those those bikes to me were just the uh, like. That's the uh, that's the, the pinnacle uh, of 125s right before uh, the four strokes came in and uh, um, really uh, made, put a uh, put a price tag on the sport. Like, um, what was it? What was it like when you uh, when you first uh, sat down with Mitch and that you were one of his riders? Uh, what was his? Uh, how did he communicate with you? What he expected? And um, like, tell us a little he bit about. He played a bunch uh, of jokes. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. He was, um, he was a prankster and, uh, um, I would always say, cause, uh, and helped him, like, um, me and Mitch were always really close because I'd always wash my bikes when I was done and take good care of my practice bike mm-hmm. and everybody else would want their mechanics to do it and stuff. So I'd always do all my stuff. And then, um, like the night before Anaheim and stuff, when everybody was panicking, I would do everybody's graphics and do all that stuff. And then I would just go in there and because Mitch would do all a lot of porting and polishing on the cylinders mm-hmm. and then plus dynoing and stuff. So I'd always put my, my nose in there and, <coughs> and talk. And <coughs> I just spent time, not just with Mitch, but with bones, with everybody. I'd go up in the front and sit down and talk. And then, you know, <coughs> I'd go and, um, Mitch would have his stuff lined up, but, you know, Mitch would, you know, let's go and, um, we'd race and at the Cowie track, but like testing and stuff like that, he, we always had fun. He listened to me very well. He knew what I liked. 
And that's the thing is once they know what you like and stuff, they pretty much have everything set up. <laughs> like I liked a lot of torque. <laughs> you can have a yeah. bike that turns <laughs> 45 horsepower, but <laughs> you put it on the track and it is, is junk. And you can have a bike that turns 41 horsepower that's got so much torque <laughs> and I'm going to run that one. Mm-hmm. So, but look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, our 125s, <laughs> even when the four strokes came out <laughs> that first year, because um, that was in oh, 2001. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and Ernesto. <laughs> but I was two seconds faster than Ernesto in practice <laughs> until I got knocked out in the second practice. Um, mm-hmm. A guy cut the track and landed on my head <laughs> and That's knocked me out. <laughs> But, um, and it, it messed me up for about three weeks. And, um, but my, um, I was, our bikes were so fast and we did so much testing because Mitch was like, we've got to be able to get second gear starts. We've got to, you know, so he did everything. I mean, it was so much work, but it all paid off. And I had the championship one until I went to Pastor Nesto and, we collided in air and I got ran over by Danny Smith and it broke my wrist. So, but, um, you know, that was just part of God's plan for me to get one championship and I got, I'll take one out of any, any day of the week. So, um, no shame in that game. For sure. You know what? There's a lot of great 125 riders, very great motocross racers that go their entire career and uh, and not win a championship uh, like uh outside of the 125 cast class kevin windham never yep. able to uh get to the top of the box and uh even a guy like uh david pingry the guy that you edged yep. out for your championship he's got i think four or five wins in the class yep. but never a championship and uh, i think that's something it's you can hang your hat on it's so hard i mean people don't understand you know i mean that's seven races imagine you know 15 and you know in the in the two fifty F class, you know, we bar bang and it gets dirty. But in the four fifty class there's a lot more respect. Totally. They don't you know, because there's twenty laps. You got plenty of time. And fifteen and like fifteen sprint. I never got nervous for my main event. Like I got butterflies and stuff, but the um Getting the hot lap and stuff helps so much, but um, the the heat race, all it took was one mistake, and you go down, then you got to go to the last chance qualifier, and then you get That's a bad right. pick, then you get a bad pick for the main event. So, so I remember like Phoenix, um, I just got third, and I was off in my first podium, and I. I was running like third in my qualifier and I went and passed second and I lost the front end and went down. And, um, um, I got back up and I had to crank my bike and I ended up finishing like ninth or something. So I go to the LCQ. Well, I went in there and I just settled for second. They took four. So I just settled for second. Right. And, um, because there was a down rider over a triple. So, and, uh, all I was trying to do is just find my groove. Well, then, but I knew I had a bad gate pick. Well, the gate pick 
was all the way on the outside. And sure enough, I got tangled up the first turn and went down. So I literally just started picking them off one by one. And by the 15th lap, I was already on um, Casey Lytle's, the only um, Supercross race he won. That's right. And, and we literally went across the finish line, and he beat me by about um, two wheels. <laughs> so and I yeah, got it's, uh, it shows second place, but uh, pretty dang close to uh, to taking out the, the, I guess you would have been Honda and Troy at the time? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then the next weekend, you know, I won by pretty good ways. And then the next weekend, I won by even farther because I knew I could win then. For so, sure, and, and that's, and that's mm-hmm. where Nick Gaines has got to get. He's got to get to where he knows he can win. Like, what, what cultivates that that confidence, that ability to go to the line, look to your left, look to your right, and know that you've got these guys covered? You're the fastest one on the line. You've got the fastest, most dependable bike. Um, how do, how does like how do you arrive to that? Is it uh, is it a slow preparation during the week? Preparation. Preparation during the week, knowing you're doing everything you can, and then going to the gate and being confident and believing in yourself and just knowing that you're going to give it everything you got out there, and that if you do that, that nobody can beat you. And there's riders that can do it. I mean, I, I watch riders all the time that can that can easily win, but they don't win because it's mental. Look at Martin Davalos. He should have won the championship so many times. And the guy is so fast, he turns his fastest qualifier times, and then he wins all of his heat races because there's seven or eight laps. But in the main event, he'll be out front or something, or he'll get a bad start, you know. But in the qualifiers, he holds shots every time. Yeah, it's all about pressure. And then you got someone like Purcell, who looks like he's just out for a joyride, but he carries momentum, and he knows good and well. That he can win. <laughs> so and he and he does it for sure. That, that's pure confidence in his part. I think there's a there was a story from I think he was riding for Mitch. Uh, they're at uh, um, Glen Helen, and uh, he was just cruising around out there, like as uh, as it was said, uh, wasting race gas. Some people would say, and yeah. um, he uh, they they were like, "Can you just throw down two laps for us?" And uh, yeah. like almost like insulted, he went and did it. He threw down faster lap times than anyone that day. And they yeah. came in. They're like, "Well, that's more likely." He says, "Did you think I couldn't?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he and that's the way he is. Yeah, and and he's changed a lot because when he first came over here, <clears throat> he was totally different. <clears throat> and you know, he found God. He's um, <clears throat> you know, very thankful for everything he's got now. That's good because he knows it, it can all be taken away in a second, and and it can. It don't take long at all. So, but um, I'm probably about to cut out on y'all. Okay. Um, because I'm going through a, I'm about to be going through this one area, and I always cut out on y'all. But um, it was good talking to y'all. If um, if y'all want y'all, can call me back. It'll probably be about five minutes. Uh, Not a problem. Yeah, if uh, if I can give you, if if you still got some time for me, I'd love to give you a call back in about five. Okay, buddy. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. Let's start off Let's with start Tech, off one, with Tech designs. one Designs. 
Techone Design is the one-stop shop for everything custom when it comes to motocross or lifestyle in general. They've got apparel, t-shirts, both pit shirts and just casual shirts, graphics, over 24 semi-custom designs, obviously you can do a full custom kit yourself, two special editions and 19 different backgrounds to choose from. Tech One Designs has been doing this for a number of years, since 2010, been doing unbelievable graphics, you name it. Phone wraps, helmet wraps, neck brace decal wraps, anything custom, they can make it happen, and uh, they've been doing so for quite some time. Um, hit them up at techonedesigns.com or email jamie at techonedesigns.com to get started today. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grump. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at one 482 7782. Boom! Westside! Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204 633-2722.
Hey, how's it going? Are we are we good? Right on, brother. Yeah, just like when you when you get to your house, just let me know and we'll we'll wrap it up. Solid, man. Right on. No big deal. It's uh, mighty cold. Uh, I'm not sure what Fahrenheit would be, but it's uh, it's about minus 17 uh, Celsius, which uh, it's it's pretty cold, probably closer to zero. Uh, and it uh, we got uh, we got about a foot of foot of snow on the ground. So um, yeah, it's it's mighty cold. Uh, appreciate you uh, asking though. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah, we're good. So for for time being, I'm out in the country. I'm about to be I'll back at the what, house. Shane, so. If you ever come up to Canada, hey. you've got a place to stay here in my house for sure. No worries. I'm about five minutes sure, away, well, so absolutely. I always cut uh, out in and, that and area. Vice for, and vice versa, of course. But um, but you know. how's everything up there? Is it cold? <laughs> Just a little bit red. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, good. I'm ready to come up there. I never, I'm, I've yeah. never, literally, I've never skied. I've never snowboarded. I've never done any of that. <laughs> Oh, All right, sounds it. good. I'm gonna hold you to it. Uh, yeah, you come oh, down I know. here. You always got to play. Times, driving we're right down, the, smack the, down Georgia, the 15, the 15, and uh, we're not uh, too redneck. We're just red. The freeways in there wide open. You can't think that these have never get through the cars. And like. Um, a couple hours later, uh, we're just, the you know, laid back. It's a lot different from, you know, being in the city to, you know, like when I, I hate going through Atlanta, so I'm 30 minutes from there, but I remember being in yeah. California and stuff and everybody's like talking about California and all that. I'm like, if you only knew how early you had to leave to go to work or, okay. you know, going to one, going, going one exit takes you an hour and it's like just, it gets so ridiculous. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we came back from Mammoth, um, <laughs> We didn't know, but Kevin Kelly, the announcer and stuff that does all that. For sure. Well, um, I grew up with them since I was kids, and they only live an hour. Actually, they they live about ten minutes from where I was raised, and uh, so like their dad that passed away and all that stuff. My, they were we all been best friends and all been with each other since kids. But anyway, um, we were um getting ready to fly to Mammoth and he already missed his flight but the day before um and he had told us you know the reason they missed the flight the day before was something to do with <coughs> the weather 
Well, then the next day, <clears throat> something was wrong with the airplane. <clears throat> and there was no way I was spending another day in Mammoth. Mm-hmm. I'd already had enough of it. <clears throat> and Nick Nick was sick. <clears throat> so literally, I um, <clears throat> there was this girl. <clears throat> I didn't even know her. <laughs> but I'd already turned, we'd already turned our rental car in and she was about to turn her rental car in. <clears throat> and I was like, excuse me, ma'am. Because <clears throat> um, she was asking about L.A. <clears throat> and that's where we needed to go. I said, don't, don't turn your rental car in yet. <clears throat> I said, um, do you need to get to L.A.? She's like, yep. <clears throat> I said, um, <clears throat> I asked the um, guy at Hertz, I said, how long does it take to get to L.A.? He said, from You're here, <clears throat> you the speed limit. Easily get on that. It's gonna plane. take you about six and a half hours, and that would have put us there right there by the time we literally flew out. And he's like, "I don't think y'all are gonna make it." And I literally looked at him and I said, "We can yeah. make it." So me, Kevin, Nick, yeah, and the stick with all of our gear bags, Nick suspension. I mean, I couldn't see Nick. We had bags up to the all everywhere. Kevin couldn't see by his right side. The girl could only see her, you know, straight ahead. But this girl, I don't even know her name. She literally drove 130 miles an hour. We made it there in three hours with another two hours to spare. Yep. We got out of the... Yeah, we got out of the rental car and everybody is looking at us because we're just pushing bags everywhere. And they're like, and we're in this little Absolutely, focus yeah, or whatever, um, this small little real car. And they're like, all of y'all were in there with all that. At you. And uh, we are like, what was your favorite, uh, yeah, we're like, we don't want to talk to. about it. So uh, we all paid her like, uh, you know, she didn't want no right money, but we uh, gave her like 50 bucks each or 60 bucks each. And uh, well, Nick gave her 120. So um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't pay nothing. But um, it was um, it was a time. But Mammoth is beautiful, but just just the track. I mean, you got to know how to ride that track because it gets so hard packed and so rocky, and the rocks hurt. They um, you get flat tires, and it's all about shortening the track and carrying momentum. Yeah, love Millville. That's the the closest track to me uh, that that's on the circuit, and uh, I've, I've gotten to ride it once on Amateur Day. And uh, anyone who hasn't gone and done that yep. needs to because it's I uh, did. It's um, the best. I guess my favorite amateur track was um, Hibbley Hills, the track that I'm going to this weekend. And I also love Gatorback, but um, Muddy Creek also. But far as pro tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I got something. My throat is, I don't, it's um, bothering me. It's been bothering me for about two days yeah. now. But um, literally, um, my favorite outdoor track at first was Troy, Ohio. But then then um, Millville. Um, I love that track. Oh, it's just, oh, it's, It is, it is it's awesome, and Redbud is also fun, but I have to say those tracks, and there's so much difference from amateur to pros, because amateurs, 
there's always smooth lines if you look to the edges mm. of the track. And you can always go from outside to inside back to, you know, you can use the whole track by jumping across the ruts. Yeah. In the pro ranks, once you're in a rut, you're in the rut. You're not going nowhere. So, you know, there's a big difference. And, um, you know, plus, you know, everybody's like, in the amateur, you know, they water the track you and make never it have to land, let off. Like, that way you there's know how to keep momentum on so these new amateur tracks. For the first practice and you all can that just stuff. fly. Like, those well, kids I see, like, they're just, what like, makes the way they, the, tracks, the, you know, the sweeping slower. turns and the way you know, the jumps aren't really I mean, out. literally, just, um, like a gator back, they had to slow the track down yeah. by plowing it so deep. Because those kids were turning 143 lap times. I mean, back in our day, in Jumps were a lot steeper and all that stuff, but we were in like the twos and stuff. And uh, it should have been, you know, a two minute lap time track. And that's the problem with these tractors. They're so fast now that you literally, um, you know, they need to slow them down. <laughs> Right. Yep. Yep. Carrying momentum. And it's like I tell my riders, you don't have to ride harder. You just have to ride smarter. You know, don't come into the corner, you know, go from wide open and then, you know, drag your front brake and your rear brake just a little bit with the gas on and go instead of taking the deep rut. Just go out, just go a foot out of that deep rut where there's another yeah. little rut and then cut and then cut back across to the right, then back to the left. Use the whole track, but shorten it up yeah. and um, don't get in that soft stuff and all that, you know, and just because there's a rut there doesn't mean you have to follow it. You can follow it at the mm-hmm. beginning, but then you can jump out of it and cut straight across and go up the hills and... You know, but everything, you don't come into a corner straight. You come into it at an angle and you use right your on, front well, brake. Uh, once again, we really appreciate you taking what some time. You in the turn. Uh, all the best. I've got, I had some more questions for you, but that that means turn, I'll just have to be able to uh, give you another call some other time. Uh, catch up with you and uh, like and I said, really And in that way, once you lay it over, I call it the fall technique because you your foot is only a balance point. It, it only has to be high enough. For sure, it can man. even God touch the ground and, uh, but you your toes out. And you can use your leg muscles to hold you up. But you just you. fall Thank over you. with your head because wherever Bye. your head goes and where you're looking is where you're going. And just nail it. Because you're already carrying momentum from half throttle and then you just go to wide open. And um, you're there. But, but all right. Well, I'm about to be pulling in um, to my house right now. So, um hey hey anytime i love it and uh anytime y'all want to talk interview just um you know text me call me just let me know and give me ahead of time hey you too and everybody have a um happy holiday god bless Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.